0: Hey, if you're with us for the first time or you're watching online and, you, and you've never been with us, we're in this transform thing. It's been 50 days. You can get any of the previous messages on our website. Get the app on Facebook. And each message, even though it's part of the series, is kind of a standalone. So don't worry about it if you're here this morning you're thinking, Oh, I've been part of this. I'm not going to know what they're talking about. Now, when it comes to facing the giants, what's the most popular passage of Scripture? Come on. David and Goliath, right? It's always got to be David and Goliath. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. It's found in 1st... Uh, where is it found? Yeah, I didn't put the scripture down on my nose. <laughs> first Samuel seventeen one to 52 as we all know. And I'm reading from the New International Version. Yeah, it's up there. <laughs> now, we're going to read the whole thing. So I'm going to go through a little bit at a time. And, and, and at the beginning here, I've got seven truths about our giants. And we all have giants in our lives, don't we? Sometimes our goals can become giants. Sometimes we have giants at work, that person that we've got to deal with or, or just things that are just too big for us. Sometimes we have giants in our family. We have, but mostly, I think the giants are on the inside. But we all have giants. We all have things that we struggle with. So this morning I'm going to talk about how to deal with the giants in our lives. So first Samuel 17 verses 1 to 52 says the Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Soko in Judah and Azekah at Ephes-Damim. Frisco. <laughs> Point number 1. Where did the Philistines camp? They camped in judah they camped in the israelite territory point number one 99 of the time when it comes to your giants it's an inside job it's an inside job it's not about the enemy out there it's about what's going on inside of here if satan can neutralize the church he wins the battle and what is the church we are right you and i if satan can neutralize you and i he wins the battle we know he doesn't win the war but he can win the battle. And too often, I think, as Christians, it's funny we were talking about this, we, we focus so often on what's going on in the world. And, oh, they're doing this, and they're doing that. And we need to, oh, man, look, look, look those people. And if we focus more on what's going on on the inside, if we live the way that Jesus Christ called us to live, if we were that Christian that he's called us to be, we wouldn't need to worry about the people on the outside. Because when people see what they're doing and they see what we're doing, they say, I want that. I want that. Point number two. We put on a brave face. Verse two, Saul countered. So the Philistines come down, they're camped out in the Israelite territory. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley in between them. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Soko in Judah and Ezekan in Epes-Damim. So it's a standoff. You've got one army on one side, you've got one army on the other side, everybody's got their chest puffed out. My dad's bigger than your dad. Not afraid of you. And we put on a brave face. Everything is fine. Verse 4, it says, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out to the Philistine ranks to, put, to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. That's his, his upper armor. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. This guy was intimidating. I mean, let alone that he's nine-something foot tall. He's wearing bronze armor. You imagine that. He's out on the plain. The sun is shining down. His armor is bronze. It's gleaming. He must have just been... He's got so much going on, he's not even carrying his own shield. He is a guy who goes in front of him to carry his shield. He's so big, he needs a a shield carrier. This guy is scaring. He is an intimidating character. Now imagine facing a warrior of this size, gleaming like that. It's like he's not trying to camouflage, he's not trying to hide it says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? I'm the Philistine champion, but you, only, but you are only the servants of Saul. That's important. You are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Point number three, our giants are are not the issues in our lives. Our giants are how we respond to those issues. He wasn't really the giant. He was a terrifying figure. I mean, quite honestly, can you imagine if you were in the Israelite army, he comes down and he puts out that challenge? I'm going to the back. (laughs) Yeah, you go on down there, you fight him. But the giant isn't him. What's the giant? It's my fear. I'm afraid of him. That's the giant that I've got to overcome. Our giants are how we respond to the issues in our lives. And, and, and you know, I talk to people that have some real giants in their lives. They've got medical stuff going on. The medical thing is not the giant. It's how you respond to it. They've got kids that are going off the deep end. What's, what's happening with my kids? And they're worried about their kids. It's the fear that is the giant. You know, we, we're we always going to have giants in our lives. We're always going to be facing situations that are bigger than us. That's just the way life is. You know, I wish I could tell you, you people tell me all the time, and you've heard me say this all the time, God's not going to give me any more than I can handle. That's a lie. God's going to give you all. He's going to allow things that come into your life so that you have to depend upon Him. Those are giants. It's how we respond to those giants that becomes the issue In our lives. It's not the boss at work. It's how I respond to the boss at work. Loneliness. Health. My job. My money. Worry. Anxiety. Addiction. It's how we respond to them. Point number four. We surrender to the giant. Instead of surrendering to God. We put all the focus on this giant. We put all of our energy into this giant. and Defeating this giant. And we don't surrender to God. You see, there's such an interesting passage of Scripture. They didn't have to respond to Goliath on his terms. Who says he makes the rules? He comes down, send out your best guy. If your best guy beats me, I'm your slave. We're your slaves. And if I beat your best guy, you're our slaves. Why didn't? 15 of the Israelites charge on down there and say, we don't care about you, bud. Boom, take his head off. (laughs) They're all back. I want my mom. Sometimes in our lives, we allow the giant to call the terms instead of getting help. Got to beat this on my own. I can do this. Verse 12, it says, Now David was the son of a man named Jesse. I should have picked a passage of Scripture with less names in it. An <laughs> Aphrodite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimeah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. So they're there. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. So David's doing a back and forth kind of thing. And then it says, for 40 days, every morning and every evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Number five truth about your giant the giant is relentless. He shows up often. He taunts daily. His intention is to wear you down, to bring you to the breaking point of surrender. He's constantly reminding you of your failings, of your issues, of your weakness, of your inability. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You might as well give in. And at some point, we begin to believe him. Verse 17 says, One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul in the Israelite army at the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Point number six sometimes well intentioned people will bring worldly wisdom. And worldly solutions to the problem. So Jesse's got sons out there. He's in this, in this army. They're facing this giant. So he's sending cheeses to the captain. To the one who determines who stands where does what. Curry some favor with this guy. And maybe he'll put my boys at the back where they're safe. Or maybe he'll put my boys at the front where they get some glory. But he's bringing a worldly solution to the problem. It says, so, verse 20, So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. They're doing this every day. So you've got bravado. This time, we're going to do it. This time, boys, they're all doing a, a, yeah, let's go get the Philistines. We're going to overcome our enemy. We just need to try harder. We just need a little bit more willpower. We just need to face up to this. (laughs) Verse 22, David left the things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine champion from Gath came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel every morning, every evening. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? Yeah, he was there this morning, he was there yesterday morning, yesterday evening, the morning before that, evening before that. Yeah, seen the giant. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. So in all of their bravado, they line up. They got their chest puffed out. This time is going to be different. We can do it, but it's not different. Nothing has changed. They still think of Goliath exactly the same way. He's undefeatable. And as soon as they saw him, they began to run. Now, I don't know. I don't know if they were hoping that Goliath had gone on vacation Hey, let's line up. Maybe, maybe Goliath's gone home. He's got bored with this and he's headed back to his wife, little Eve. I don't know what they were hoping for. It's <laughs> every day. Here's the problem they were hoping for an external change in the circumstances. The problem was internal, it was their fear. Point seven nothing changes. If nothing changes, it's not just gonna go away. Something has to be done. Sometimes with the giants in our lives, we don't deal with the giant in our lives. It's just like maybe it's just gonna go away. I'll be okay. It's just it's it's good. Verse 24 As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. If nothing changes in the heart and in the head, That's what this whole thing is about, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If nothing changes in the head and the heart, no behavior is going to change. You can puff your chest out. You can run on down there. I'm going to beat this giant. This time I got it. No, you don't. You didn't change how you think. You didn't change how you feel. Same giant, same outcome. And the king is offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. (laughs) I'll give... That man, one of my daughters, and his entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. That's a good deal, isn't it? That's a big bonus. You get to be related to the king. My my father-in-law, King Saul. I mean, that opens doors. No taxes. Yeah, baby. And David's hearing this, and he's like, say what? And he's asking about it. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who, Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of God? Now, there's where it changes. That's the difference between David's thinking and the army's thinking. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. They're all running around, exclaiming, "Have you seen the giant?" And you know what happens when that happens? It gets exaggerated, doesn't it? I wonder if I wonder if Goliath really was nine foot something tall. He is now. (laughs) Have you seen the giant? David doesn't refer to Goliath as the giant. Who's this pagan Philistine? He's a soldier. Who's this pagan Philistine? He doesn't refer to the army of Israel or the army of Saul. He sees them as the armies of the living God. A completely different perspective his focus is not on the problem or the earthly situation his focus is on god who's this pagan philistine who's challenging the armies of the living god and david is absolutely gobsmacked at what's going on it's like seriously gobsmacked Do we say that good (laughs) just checking uh, for David, you know, and, and for all of us, he's thinking, we are in God's armies as God's soldiers fighting for God under the power of God. What's going on, guys? And he didn't. He, he, he definitely is interested in the reward, though. It says, and these men gave David the same reply. So he's going around checking with people. Is, is Saul really going to give this? They said, yes, that's the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now? David replies. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing (laughs) and received the same answer. Then David. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. So he's asking enough people that they know this scrawny little kid here. He seems to be interested in all of this. His brother's jealous. Like, what are you coming down here for? You're gonna tell stories. You could tell stories about what goes out on out with the sheep. There, you liar. David, David's brother doubts the sincerity and the ability and the character of David. Very often, it is those who are closest to us who doubt the power of God in our lives. Even Jesus discovered this. When he went back to Nazareth, said he could perform hardly any mi- He was performing miracles. And then all of a sudden someone says, hang on a minute. Isn't that the builder's boy? We know his brothers, we know his sisters, we know his family. He can't do, stone him. Jesus is performing miracles and they start to stone him because they know him. This, this is the kid that grew up with us. We do that and we do that to people and they do that to us. It's because we know them. It's the same old, same old, right? Once a, always a, you fill in the blank. Sometimes it's hardest for those who are closest to us to acknowledge the power of God in our lives. And that can be a giant. All right, now we're going to read through to the end of the account. Was that seven? Yes. We're going to see what David does in this. And then I'm going to give you five faith steps to help defeat those giants. So David's talking to Saul. He says, don't worry about this, Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Saul looks at David. He says, what? (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. I wonder why Saul called him. He's heard this report maybe that this kid, you know, he seems like he's got a lot of bravado. Well, bring him to me. And then when when Saul sees him, he thinks, nah. (laughs) I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replies. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he has been a man of war since his youth. Those are the facts. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Now, let me tell you about this. I don't know about lions. This is true for bears. We used to live in Canada. And, you know, bears are a reality of life up there. And everybody gets taught what you do when a bear comes along. When we first moved down here, my daughter Amy, who helps out with the children here, she was at school. And they did a tornado drill. Well, we didn't know anything about tornadoes. They told them all to go out in the hallway and they said, you know, assume the tornado position, which apparently is on your knees and your head tucked. And Amy said, oh, you mean like for a bear attack? And they're all like, hmm. <laughs> but this works with bears. I, I, I don't know. We've read accounts before. I remember one time a bear came in, in, to a campground and snatched a one-year-old or a two-year-old. And mom, you know, she fueled up. She's filled with love, chased that bear down, took her shoe off, whacked him on the nose The bear dropped the kid and ran off. Not recommended. What are you going to do, right? You're going to do something. He says, I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. So he's still, he's not a giant. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. Two, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. So David is still focused completely on God. He's not fighting a giant. He's fighting a Philistine. And he's going in the name of God. Saul is focused on the facts. Now let me tell you something. and I think I put it in there. Faith is not limited to By facts. Faith. Is not limited. By facts. This is what makes it so difficult. For so many people to to embrace Christianity. Because they want a scientific answer. They want a factual answer. Faith is not limited. By facts. Fact is. People can't walk on water. But Peter did. Fact is. People can't come back from the dead. But Jesus did. There are so many facts that cannot be, but in faith, it doesn't matter. Now, let me balance this up, because I find with Christians, we often swing pendulums from one experience, one, one end to the other. So you've got those people that, that don't live in faith at all. They worry about everything. There's nothing, you know... Uh, the, God's never going to come through. There's no faith in their lives to see. And then you've got those other people that want to apply faith to everything. Somewhere in the middle is reality. I have faith in God. But when the light turns red, I stop. I don't drive on through there because God's got it. He gave me a brain. When the light's red, you stop. I have faith in God. But if my blood pressure is high, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to take blood pressure medication until I get it under control. I talk to people, I'm just going to pray to God. Well, God gave you a brain, so I pray to God that God wakes you up. There's a balance in this. But faith is not dependent or limited by facts. To live in faith means that we change our perspective On how we process the facts sometimes. Verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor. Now, Saul's not out there fighting the giant. (laughs) I think it's kind of interesting. Here's my armor, boy. You go do it. I'll be at the back here cheering you on. Saul gave David his own armor. A bronze helmet and a coat of mail. So he's got bronze as well. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these. He protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took, off, took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them into his shepherd's bag, then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistines. So Saul's trying to be helpful. This is how we do it. We dress up in armor. We go out there and we fight the enemy sword by sword or or whatever. David tries it. He rejects it says, nope. He used the skills that God had given him. He had a sling and a staff. And I imagine David's out on on the hills with the sheep all around him. Not much to do. He's got his sling. And I'll bet he's just practicing over and over. How far can I do this? How accurate can I be? He's got his staff, and I'll bet he's practicing with his staff, and and he is an expert at those things. He knows what he can do. He knows what he's good at. These are God-given talents. It's interesting, though. He's got a staff and a sling. If the sling didn't work, I've still got the staff. Verse 41, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? Are you crazy? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. And I imagine that just riled David right up, because he's coming at him in the name of the Lord, and this guy's... Shouting in other God's names. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of, of the heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now he didn't say, I come at you with a sling and a staff. His focus was still on God. And then look at what he says to Goliath. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. Faith versus Facts. He's out there, he says, I can't do this on my own power. I can only do this in God's power. But He is the instrument that the Lord uses. Sometimes I think with our giants, we think if we just pray, that God will make them all go away. That's not how it works. David still had to go out there, he still had to face the giant, he still was in the battle. God gave him the ability to fight that battle in God's power. But we are a part of the solution. Verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. Boom! All that bronze, boom! It must make quite a noise. I don't know, well, (laughs) it doesn't say anything about the shield bearer. I think that guy just tossed the shield and he's out of there, you know. (laughs) So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. I don't know how many times I've read the account. And if somebody would have asked me over a week ago, they said, "How how did David kill Goliath? I would have said he killed him with a stone. But he didn't. He knocked him down with the stone and killed him with a sword. The power of the Lord was in the stone. The stone conquered Goliath and brought him down and then David killed him with his own sword. I think it's kind of cool. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Shaharim, as far as Gath and Ekron. The giant's dead. The Israelite armies emboldened. Let's go get them! They're running! The moral of the story... If we keep our eyes on the giant killer and not the giant, if we trust in God and not ourselves, we should be good to go. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I know it's 12 o'clock. I'm going to go quick on these five things. Let's get real. Let's get real. There's a problem. The problem is you and the problem is me. I'm not David. I'm not David. If a bear comes and attacks a sheep, a lion comes and attacks a sheep. I got bad news for Dad. You got one less sheep and one less shepherd. Got any Brickland jobs? Because <laughs> I'm not rescuing the sheep. I'm just being honest here. <laughs> I ain't fighting lions and bears. <laughs> We've got to get real about this stuff because sometimes the, the, the people that we hold up as the ones that are supposed to encourage us become a giant. When I look in the mirror, I don't see a David. I don't see a Peter who walked on water. I don't see a Paul who is content in all things. I see me. And I know me. I'm running from the lion. I'm running from the bear. I'm running from Goliath. That's the truth. I want that faith. I want to be that strong. I want to be that person, but there's a reality, and the reality is me. There's got to be more to the picture. And then Jesus' words kind of echo. Oh, you of little faith. It's like, oh. Anybody relate to this? Am I only the, the only one? We're, we're there. Good. We're on the same page. All right. Something that got me at the beginning of the week when I was reading through this this passage of Scripture that I've read through many, many times. Five stones. Couldn't get my head off of it. Five stones. Why did he pick up five stones? Why didn't he pick up one stone? He only used one. Why did he pick up five stones and why did he have his shepherd's staff? See, David's a little bit like us. I don't know if one's going to be enough. I better have five. And if five doesn't work, I better have a backup to the five. I'm going into the battle and I've got faith in you, God. But I'm not sure how this is going to go. So I want to share five stones real quick, okay? To help defeat the giants. You know, we've been going through this book, we've set a spiritual health goal, a physical health goal, a mental health, emotional, relational, financial, this week a vocational. That's a lot of stuff. That can become a giant. So I want to give you five stones that can help defeat those giants. The first one, put aside your pride. Put aside your pride. Proverbs 11.2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. When it comes to our giants, we've got to put aside our pride. Sometimes we think that we can beat the giant. We haven't beaten the giant up to today. We're going to puff our chest. Today's going to be better. No, it's not. It's going to be exactly the same as yesterday. And sometimes you've got to put aside your pride and say, I'm not able to beat this giant. I need some help. Maybe I need to go to CR." Maybe I need, to, I need some help. I need something in my life. If nothing changes, nothing changes. You've got to put aside your pride. Number two, we need a blast from the past. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David was brave because he had already experienced God's power and protection in his life. He had history. My wife keeps, uh, I've shared this many times, she keeps a journal of the things that God has done in our lives. And sometimes it's good to go back and read that stuff and remember what God has done in the past because the, the confidence of knowing what God did in the past is the same God who's with me now. He's the same God that's going to be with me tomorrow. It's in His power that I can beat this giant. I need a blast from the past. Psalm 71, a says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Now, if you don't have any activity of God in your life, get some. Pray and ask God to use you. And then step out in faith when God says, okay, can you do this? Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Just do it. And you'll start getting stories. And if you're not there yet, hang around with people who do have some stories. Some of that will rub off. Stone number three, focus on the future. So you need a blast from the past. You need to remember what God has done. Focus on the future. David didn't fear the giant because he knew his future. If you read the previous chapter, he had already been anointed and told he was going to be the future king of Israel. He knew that giant wasn't going to kill him. How can he become the future king of Israel if the giant kills him? He can't. Now, you're not going to become the future king of Israel, and I'm not going to become the future king of Israel, but I know that my future is in God's hands. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. That's the future. Don't be mulling on past failures and what didn't work in the past. Fix your eyes on what God is doing. Our verses. Kind of reminders, Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you. Who's working in you? God, God, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. God has a purpose and a hope for you. No matter what you may or may not have done, no matter what your failures are, today, yesterday... Last week he has a hope and a future for you. You need to focus on that. Stone number four. Serve with a smile. Colossians three twenty three says Whatever you do work at work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You know <sighs> Yeah, I'm gonna share it. <laughs> it. Drives me nuts sometimes when You ask people to help, and they do, but they grumble. (laughs) I'm just telling you right now, if I come to you and ask you to help, and if you feel that God is telling you to help, then put a smile on your face and do it. Because God doesn't want you to serve him while you're grumbling all the way through. I was going to do this, but now I'm going to do that. That doesn't bring honor and glory to God. What brings honor and glory to God is when you say, you know what? Yeah, I can do that. I'll be pleased to do that. Thank you for the opportunity to serve God. Serve Him with a smile. Whatever you do, work at it heartily as for the Lord and not for men. That is living a kingdom as a kingdom Christian. Fifth. Am I on the fifth one? Good. Fifth and final stone. Give up. Giving up. And start looking up. I just need to quit. I just... Quit quitting. And start trusting in God. And doing what God has called you to do. And He'll take care of it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him. And He will make your path straight. Psalm 37, 24. This is my life, life verses. Do you have a life verse? These, these two verses here are my life verses. They're kind of like, maybe I'll put this on my gravestone. Well, I won't. <laughs> if the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. If in my weakness and my failings... I try to live a life that pleases God, He's going to guide my footsteps. If I stumble, I won't fall. He will uphold me. You see, your giants are not defeated in your power, and it's not about willpower or trying harder. It's about His power and living in obedience. He teaches us to trust Him. And let me close with this. Here's what I've learned. When I look at my life, God constantly does things to remind me. He says, I'm with you. I love you. I want the best for you. You can trust me. When you look at your transformed goals and all of these things, you've got to keep that front and center. The Lord is with you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. You can trust Him. When you put that front and center, those giants begin to shrink because you're not thinking about giants. You're thinking about the Almighty God who loves you, who cares for you, who empowers you, who wants the best for you. You can trust Him. Amen? Amen. I'm sorry I took us over a little bit here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just give you thanks for your... Father, you just show up in our lives all the time. And I believe that you constantly remind us that you are there. And Father, I don't know the things that people are going through. I'm sure there are some people that are sitting here right now or maybe watching online and they're thinking, it's easy for you to say, Pastor Mike, you don't know my giant. And I don't know their giant, but you do. Father, I pray for each and every one of us. We all have giants in our lives of some kind. Sometimes our pride gets in the way. We don't seek help because we want to keep it secret. We don't offer it up to you. Sometimes we have past failures. We've tried to deal with it before and it didn't work. I tried again, it didn't work. I tried again, it didn't work. I give up trying. Father, help us to never give up. To just continue on in your power, and in your strength. Father, help each and every one of us to serve you regardless of what's going on in our lives. Father, make us a blessing. Put a smile on our faces so that each and every person, when they see us, they want what we have, regardless of our failings and regardless of our weakness. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, just a few announcements. Tomorrow the office is closed. It is Memorial Day. You can call. You can do whatever you want. I ain't answering. Unless it's an emergency. June 6th, we have 101. That's next Sunday. We have a number of people signed up for 101. This is our Discovering Church membership class. If you didn't sign up and you want to be a part of it, that's going to happen immediately following the service next week. We do provide food. So you get to eat and we get to do do the class. You need to be a member in order to serve in teaching in this church. And we do that for a specific reason. Sometimes, you know, I've had people say, well, why do I have to go through a 101 class? I've been a Christian for years. Well, that's good. You need to know what we believe and why we believe it. That way you've got a confidence that if somebody's teaching your kids or somebody's teaching you, they know why we believe what we believe. You're not going to get erroneous teachings. So please, if you didn't sign up, fill out a card, drop it in the offering or give it to Lynn and uh, we'll make sure that you get to be a part of the class. What else is going on? July 19-23, Vacation Bible School. Thank you for everybody that signed up. We're pretty much... Uh, we're getting close to being, I didn't bring it, close to, to everybody we need. We still have a few positions, so I will be talking to some people. Here's what I want you to do. If you haven't yet signed up, I want you to pray and ask God if he wants to use you in vacation Bible school. And when I call, you'll know it's because God told me to call you. All right? and Say yes if God tells you to say yes. We need supplies for Vacation Bible School. This is an easy one. So Libby is out there, I believe. Are you out there, Libby? She's teaching kids. She's always doing something. She has lists out there of supplies that we need for the classes. So if you want to grab one next time you go to the grocery store while it's coming up, maybe pick up some of these things and, and we'll make sure that we're well stocked. What else have we got going on? Our offering. We don't pass the offering around. You can drop it in the bin over there. You go online. And uh, soon we are going to have a QR code. Young people know what that is, don't they? I can see the faces. It's a, what's QR? You know, those little dots and things, the little square. It's going to be right on here. You can point your phone at it and give. Or it'll be on the screen up there. You can point and give. We're trying to make it easy for you to be faithful. So you can do that. You can give it here. You can mail it in, snail mail. And that's everything. Stay connected. If you didn't watch last week's vac- uh, Vacation Bible School, Midweek Motivation, I want to encourage you to go back and watch it because it's important for people that are doing Transformed. Next week, I may do one more. I haven't made up my mind yet, just a final one. But I like every so often, every couple of years, I like to do a a series called Walking with Jesus. And we'll get into a passage in the gospel and we'll just, we'll start walking with Jesus. What was it like to walk with Jesus and listen to the master teacher? So that's the plan for the summer. I love sitting out at the lake and I just imagine what would it have been like for Jesus to be here. And uh, so that's where I do those sermons. Please stand. I've rabbited on long enough. Thank you all for coming. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for each and every person that is here. I pray that you would keep them encouraged. Keep them on this journey of transformation, Father. Give us our eyes to to, to stay focused upon you. Father, deflect away those giants. Strengthen us. Give us hope. Give us courage. Give us joy. Father, I pray as I always pray that you would pour out your blessings upon us so that we may pour out our blessings on others. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you all for coming.